Hi, guys, and welcome to episode 12 of the Healthified podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Not only have I come to better understand the tools we can use to become healthier human beings, but I love gaining new insights and perspectives from others in the field and sharing the health with all of you. This episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our nutrition bars are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code HEALTHIFIED at checkout. Today's guest is Locke Hughes, journalist, content creator, and author who specializes in the health, wellness, and lifestyle space. Her path has landed her in multiple positions in the industry, working for major health publications such as Shape, Greatest, WebMD, and The Well. Her career has allowed her to bring her passion for writing and wellness all under one roof. While she has a beautifully balanced approach to life, she admits she hasn't always felt this way. She has suffered from anxiety and adrenal burnout, as well as confusion what it meant to take care of yourself. She took matters into her own hands and educated herself on health and nutrition, experimenting with various food and lifestyle factors until she found what worked. In our conversation, we discuss how being so immersed in the health and wellness industry has influenced her personal self-care and how it has evolved over the years, adrenal fatigue and why it isn't fully recognized by the medical community and the steps she took to heal, the holistic approach she took and continues to take to feel more balanced in her life, the importance of sleep and key takeaways from her book, Melatonin how consciousness, awareness, and mindfulness all play a role in achieving a better sense of health. Lessons she has learned over the past year with the global pandemic, national unrest, and the silver lining she was able to see through it all. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Locke. Hey, Sarah. I am so excited that you came on and I get to have this healthified conversation with you. So thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, you too. Thanks so much for reaching out. Excited to catch up. Yeah. So um, everyone who is listening or watching, this is Locke Hughes. I have known her since college. And given that we're both kind of immersed in the health and wellness space, um, have stayed in touch here and there. And I watch her stories on Instagram um, religiously. And she is such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to health and wellness trends and um, how to live a balanced life. So um, she is a journalist, content creator, and author who specializes in the health and wellness space and currently an editor at The Well, which is a holistic health center in New York City. Um, So I'm going to let her introduce herself, tell a little bit more about her background and story and Locke, how you got to where you are today. Sounds great. Yeah, it's so nice to reconnect. And it's been so fun watching your journey over the last few years as well. And I'm just so impressed with everything you've done at Gratified. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, like Sarah said, I sort of like everyone in the wellness world doing a little bit of everything, but um, I do work full time at this amazing health company called The Well. And we're a holistic health center based in New York here in Manhattan. Um, but we also have e-com lines and we have programs. Um, it's all virtual for now, but hopefully we'll be reopening somewhat soon. 
um, when we just branched out with our second location in Connecticut. Um, so that's my day job. But before I joined the well, um, I've worked for various uh, wellness and health publications. I did a stint at WebMD. I've worked for Shape Magazine. I worked for Greatest.com. And I also did about two years of freelance writing for a bunch of different publications. And during that time, I also wrote a book um, essentially about sleep. And yeah, so I've sort of been able to combine two of my favorite things in life, which are, you know, living a healthy, balanced lifestyle, and then also writing and content creation. Um, so it's been a really interesting journey. And, you know, this year was nothing like any of us expected. And it's definitely not what I had planned to be doing, um, you know, working virtually. I, I really was looking forward to sort of being around people again after being a freelancer for so long. Um, but here I am working from home again. <laughs> but it's all good because it's all stuff that I feel very um, passionate about. Yes, and there's nothing like when you can fill your days with something that aligns and is very rewarding. And when it comes to COVID specifically, I want to get into all of that because, um, you know, it's it's great how open you are, especially on your social media, um, just about navigating the situation. Um, but first of all, I want to kind of take a step back a bit and focus on your freelancing career and your writing career and just being so um, immersed in the health and wellness, you know, journalism and research, so to speak. Mm -hmm. How has that kind of influenced your um, personal views on health and self-care? And what was it like kind of before, like college to immediately after and how has it helped you like evolve um, your kind of routine practices, beliefs about the health world? Great question. Um, and also I apologize. I, there's like a bunch of planes flying outside my window. If you can hear oh, that. That's okay. We can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting <laughs> question. And sort of like what you mentioned right before we hopped on about sort of thinking about all of the time you could have saved had you known certain things about health and wellness and taking care of yourself. And like, yeah. looking back, I knew nothing in college, which is like, understandable, because how are we supposed to know we're not taught, you know, how to really take care of our health or mental health in school. Um, and personally, like, I'm an only child. So it's not like I had a great, like a sister or anyone to learn from. So I was really figuring right. it out from, from scratch. And in college, you know, I definitely gained the typical beer and like fried food weight. And I remember going to the gym, but just sort of like slogging away on the elliptical. And, you know, you never would really see any results from that. Um, mental health was sort of like a side note. And, um, you know, it wasn't a focus of mine, even though looking back, I definitely have struggled with anxiety my whole life. Um, and it's really just been in the past few years that I feel like I've found really what works for me. Um, and I think that's part of the journey for everyone is you have to experiment. Like, college wasn't the best for me. And then when I came to New York right after college um, is really when I started to, I guess, educate myself more about it. I was working in magazines, not in health yet, but for a women's magazine and started reading all these um, health blogs. It was sort of the time when all of those food bloggers started uh, getting known yes. and right when Instagram started and I, I got really into it and I started running. I like ran some half marathons. Um, and then I sort of realized, wow, I can actually do this for my career and I can, you know, join the, the health and wellness publication world. Um, 
but even looking back then, I think it, even in my 20s, I was finding still struggling to find balance between this, um, you know, kind of overdoing it and running, mm-hmm. like making myself get up and run or train for half marathon and, you know, maybe like eat just like salads for lunch during the week, but then go crazy on the weekends. Like I was still definitely figuring it out in my 20s. Um, and it took probably toward the end of my 20s um, a little bit of a bump in the road <laughs> when I moved to a new city outside of New York and mentally was not in a good place. Like I moved for this job that didn't work out. Um, I ended up like becoming even less healthy, uh, sort of gave up running. Um, yeah, it was sort of like a dark time in my life and, you know, nothing tragic happened, but I think we can all relate to just sort of like feeling like nothing is quite right. Um, and during that period, I was lucky enough to find, um, a functional medicine doctor because that was when I started hearing about adrenal fatigue and, um, we can go into that. Maybe that's a different question. Cause I feel like I'm droning on right now, but I don't no, know. No, this is amazing. Totally recognize that these symptoms were things that I was experiencing and adrenal fatigue is not something that's talked about a lot in conventional medicine. Um, and it may not be a particularly, uh, medical diagnosis, but I think that a combination of a lot of elements of my lifestyle were contributing to this overall feeling of like tiredness and a constant um, weight gain, even though I wasn't really changing that much about my diet. Um, I just wasn't feeling like myself. And so I sought out functional medicine doctor, which I um, truly believe in now. And that's why I joined the well, because we have, we're a functional medicine facility. We have an amazing mm-hmm. functional medicine doctor and team. Um, and he really helped me reset my lifestyle through, um, you know, the medication was involved for like low thyroid and then a lot of supplements were involved, but it was really about sort of mm-hmm. taking your diet, doing more yoga, being more mindful about how your body feels after certain foods. Um, and just sort of like cleaning things up and finding again, like that balance and what worked for me. And mm-hmm. so really ever since then, which, which was four years ago or so, um, I've really felt like I have found what works for me. And, you know, I do a mix of, uh, yoga and strength training and I love to be outdoors. I did live out for a year and a half, which was amazing. That lifestyle being in the mountains is incredible, but you can really recreate that. It looked amazing. I know. Like no matter where you live, you can always go for like a long walk outside. Um, so I just make sure to sort of, uh, pay attention to how I feel more today and yeah. I feel pretty good despite all the COVID craziness. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, if you think about it, like that's kind of situational, um, circumstantial that's outside of you. But I, what I'm hearing is that you feel pretty good in your inner environment, like mentally yeah. and physically. For sure. And there are definitely times I was actually just thinking this weekend, I slept a lot and I think, mm-hmm that's just sort of how my body deals with stress is sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I think that part of it is just, there's not a lot to do going on in New York right now. Yeah. So so you take advantage of that, you know? Yeah. I definitely struggle with a little bit of, uh, you know, I think stress manifests for me is this like sort of tired lethargic feeling. Um, so I'm not Mm -hmm. saying great all the time, but I, it's noticing that and understanding that. And then that's how my body reacts. And it's a sign that I need to do some self-care and, you know, sort of look at, look, take a step back and look at everything. Yeah. And I want to highlight something that, um, 
you're saying, because I think this is so important for people to hear. And I actually just started a healthified article with like this exact um, same way of thinking, if you will. And the fact that like, especially in social media and Instagram world, people are so accustomed to looking outside of themselves for, you know, health and wellness and lifestyle tips, tricks, advice, what have you. Um, and I think, you know, scientific information and education is, is so important from an objective standpoint. But when I was health coaching and what I'm hearing you say is like, you got to find what works for you. You have to tune into yourself. You have to experiment um, and you have to educate yourself and kind of like be your own health advocate, if you will. Um, because when you have that tool in your back pocket, it's something that you can always come back to. And like you said, no one is gonna feel 100% all of the time. Um, and so it's understanding what works for you in order to get back to a good feeling place. And I just think that so many people are looking outside of themselves when, when they really need to understand that there is no destination with like feeling good, yeah. that it's always a continual experiment. I mean, and the more you can bring it back to a day-to-day -day, like journey, sometimes I hate to use that word, yeah. um, the better off you'll be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. And it's like, there's no, in other words, there's no right answer for everyone. And I think that yeah. a lot of people are looking for that magic bullet yeah. and there's not one. Um, and it's, it's a tough answer. And I think both of, we're both health coaches um, and I think that that is why health coaching is so valuable because it really leads people to look into themselves and like ask themselves why this is working, why this isn't working, um, you know, what what's doable for them. Um, that was a really interesting lesson to learn during health coaching training. It's like, you can't tell someone, oh, I think a paleo diet would be good for you. Like, go do that because, you know, that person yeah. might be better on a vegan diet or you know, that person right. might be fine to eat gluten. It's just, there's not a one size fits all uh, answer. For sure. And especially when it comes to mental health and I want to applaud you because you're so great about, you know, talking about it and sharing, you know, your position with mental health. Um, and I think it's so important. The more we can hear about it, the more we can talk about it, the more it lessens that taboo that still surrounds it. And I mean, I feel as if, if you're a human being, you've experienced anxiety in your life. And um, I mean, I remember probably when I became aware of anxiety was, I'm gonna say my fourth year of college. And I remember texting my sister being like, cause she had given up caffeine um, years before. And I asked her, I was like, I'm having this like weird sensation in my chest. Like, do you think I need to stop drinking coffee? But when looking back at it, you know, in hindsight, I knew that I was like struggling with severe anxiety, but no one told me what that was, you know? And when you kind of think about, again, that like outside circumstantial stuff of like, you know, I was getting a degree, I was graduating college, like I was going on to get my master's after graduation, like everything, I had every right to be, you know, happy and fine, but like I wasn't. Be anxious. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, I know like, like myself that you're very into, you know, yoga and meditation. And when you delve into those spiritual practices, there comes um, a heightened level of awareness and consciousness, something that I didn't have for myself until like, I want to say relatively recently, five years ago. Um, 
Whereas it's like night and day difference. Like when you're struggling with anxiety and you have consciousness for yourself and like the thoughts that you're thinking, it can just be a game changer in how you navigate through periods like that. So you mentioned that you were kind of going through this dark chapter in your life. And that's when you kind of sought out functional uh, medical help. Did you have the same level of like consciousness and awareness for what was going on that you probably do now back then? You know, that's a great question. Uh, no, I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. Um, yeah, it's it, that sort of being aware is the first step. And after my journey of the last few years, it's really interesting to sort of sit back and be able to see, it's almost like you see the anxious thoughts like crossing through your mind and you can recognize them be like, oh, yeah. that's an anxious thought you know, that's not necessarily reality. Yeah. That's not what's happening. This is anxiety that I'm feeling. And no, I don't think yeah. that, that I sort of had that same awareness five years ago. And I'm not going to say that I meditate every day. I definitely don't. Um, but actually it's a 2021 goal to, uh, even if it's not meditating every day, just continue to do more like self-development reading and, and yes. um, reflection because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a muscle and it needs to like sort of continue to be worked that mindful awareness. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I think anybody can sort of just do some reading and some learning and dabble in meditation, uh, see what you can take from it, um, see what works for you and what doesn't. Again, it's that sort of that exploration and that experimentation. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely a game changer to sort of learn to identify anxiety as this like, other than it's not me. It's like this thing that I have, um, and sort of mm -hmm. that helps me cope with it so much better these days. Yes. And I mean, mindfulness and I mean, meditation is just one way that you increase mindfulness and awareness and consciousness. Um, and so there are so many other modalities that you can turn to in order to do that. I mean, so many people think that if they don't have a seated practice, they're not going to gain the same benefits, but that's just not true. You know, like you said, like just being able to read or journal or like do an active meditation, whether that's a yoga flow or it's, it's just understanding exactly as you're saying that the thoughts that you're thinking are not you. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, a bar instructor, I'm a yoga teacher. And in my bar classes, I, I tend to do a little bit more yogic style um, throughout class. And I remember having, I just kind of went on a spiel one class and was talking about, you know, the thoughts that you're thinking and how your thoughts are not you. And I had a woman in her sixties after class come up to me and um, she was like, what do you mean your thoughts aren't you? Like, it was like this, like, like this concept that like, she had just never, you know, cause so many people don't have that separation. Um, and a book that really helped me gain that understanding was the untethered soul. Did you read that? I haven't yet. Oh my gosh, you have to, I've read it twice. It changed my life. It changed my life. Um, that's what I have to read that. It's the year of starting to read self-development books again. <laughs> Yes. I know. I took a big break actually during COVID because I was like, my mind doesn't need to be put in that place right now. Exactly. So I read a lot of fiction. Actually. Yes. I've been reading a ton of fiction. Yes. Um, which has been amazing. Yes. Um, so the untethered soul and then the surrender experience, the surrender experiment is his okay. second book, which you have to read too. So it's Michael Singer 
And I'll put both of these in the article notes so that people can check them out as well. Well, I just got that book that you had said you would recommend Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. Oh, uh-huh. So that's on, that's next on my list. Okay, good. I want to read that one. Um, the Atomic Habits was really good too. Oh yeah. Talked you talked about that. Yeah. Um, so going back into kind of the adrenal burnout, a couple questions with that, because I know, I mean, I've never been diagnosed with it. I know that I've experienced it before. Um, and it can get kind of confusing because to me, it seems like a very real thing, like scientifically, objectively, you know, you have your thyroid. If you're under constant stress day in and day out, I would imagine that that you're, you know, it gets taxed and you experience those symptoms, but it can get so confusing when it's just like not as recognized by some people in the medical community. Why do you think that is? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's thyroid definitely has something to do with it. And it usually goes uh -huh. hand in hand with low thyroid, but adrenal fatigue is specifically talking about your adrenal glands, um, which mm -hmm. are located near, near your liver and they are, um, mm which the, the organ that produces cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So like you said, if you're mm -hmm. constantly under stress, it means that they're going to continually release cortisol. And, um, you know, if it's long-term and chronic stress, then they can get burned out. Hence like adrenal burnout or adrenal fatigue. Um, I think the problem with conventional medicine, not wanting to address it is that there's not a pill for it. And so they can't put an insurance and say, Hey, I treated this person for adrenal fatigue. You know, I gave them this prescription medication and they're better. Like it's not a disease like that. So from what I understand, and this could not be totally accurate because I'm not a doctor, but, um, I think that that's sort of the, the, the problem with it being recognized in conventional medicine, because to address it, it's really a combination of lifestyle changes. Yes. It's changing your diet. It's changing your exercise routine. It's like getting more sleep. It's cutting out alcohol. It's um, a whole bunch of different things. And supplements are definitely part of it um, to sort of help restore your body. And gut health is also really important. Um, and for me, I went on thyroid medication, which I still take to this day. But mm -hmm. I think that's sort of the, the major dilemma uh, and why it can sort of be a confusing topic. Yeah. And I love how, you know, I feel like so many people, especially in more of the holistic functional world, and obviously this isn't true for everybody by any means, um, I try and avoid sweeping generalizations, but they can be very turned off by Western medicine mm -hmm. um, and same, you know, vice versa. So I love how you used like a balance approach because I do think that there can be this amazing synergy between the two if kind of used in tandem. Um, so, you know, that's great to hear that, you know, you just, there's like a, a combination of stuff that you turn to that, you know, kind of got you back to a good feeling place. Um, but when it comes to like the holistic lifestyle things, what were some, I know you kind of um, glossed over them, but what was some of the steps that the functional doctor kind of encouraged you to take? Um, and then my next question would be like, was that challenging to change? Because, you know, I, I, I could be like a very like type A person who likes to go at full speed and loves exercise like I needed in my life. And I also like the occasional uh, glass of wine here and there and all those things. So if someone was like, you need to slow down and take these things away, like to me, that would be really hard. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it definitely is hard. Um, 
I would say sort of backing up, I think what causes it and what caused it for me is like I was saying in my twenties, there's this sense um, of needing to do it all. And, mm. and I remember like, I mean, this wasn't even that crazy, but like, you know, making sure that I went to the gym every morning before work, even if I was exhausted. And there, that was also, even though it wasn't that long ago, that was sort of still when I think the general mainstream health media was like, you know, cut out fat, like, you know, get fat-free dressing, like eat fat-free yogurt and, you know, have cereal for breakfast. And looking back, it's sort of like, now we know those things aren't necessarily good for you and like your body needs fat. So I think for me, it was a combination of pushing myself too hard in my twenties, um, not listening to my body and not, not nourishing my body with the right foods, but it wasn't necessarily fault because that's like what the mainstream media was telling us. Um, you know, we grew up in like special K was like what everyone was eating for Yes, I had a friend in high school who did the special K diet and we were like 16. Yeah. And I think I did that too. It was wild. Yeah. I think it was, you know, education. So I think that was part of why it happened for me. And then I think the biggest thing was like, my doctor was like, don't like force yourself to go on a run, like just go for like a long walk and like focus on breathing and, um, focus more on strength training, which helps build your metabolism up. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't feel like you need to go to like a spin class, which, oh my God, I would leave, you know, like a flywheel class and just feel totally dead. (laughs) You know, that's what people think they need to feel like after workout, but that's not really healthy either. Um, way you feel after like a good strength workout or like a good yoga class is so different. Um, you know, I guess in that sense, it wasn't hard. It was actually maybe easier to make those lifestyle changes. And it was really nice to give myself permission to say, you don't have to go for a run. Like you can go for a walk or you don't need to go to, you know, this crazy workout class. You can just go like do some yoga. Um, so I think that was nice. And then learning, you know, sort of more of a Mediterranean diet, uh, how to eat that way and how to focus on healthy fats and, you know, avocado and olive oil and salmon and like fat is not bad and sort of bringing all of those things back in, um, to my diet and focusing on healing. Um, the gut is also really important. And I always had Mm -hmm. issues my whole life. Like I remember looking back at college photos and like, I was so bloated sometimes and I'm sure like the beer, but I just always had digestive issues and thought it was normal. Yeah. I'm sure you know, you've had some clients who've said this. I just thought yes. this is what I had to live with. Um, yeah. So sort of healing my gut through supplements and uh, healthier eating. And yes, I do try to cut out gluten still. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm also going to have a piece of pizza occasionally. Um, yeah. I think all of that really helped me uh, transform my health and sort of get over this feeling of burnout. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to highlight today was just your balanced approach to life. Um, and, you know, I know I'm getting snapshots of it on Instagram, but, you know, just from the type of workouts you do to your food, to your travel, to you enjoying your glass of wine. And, um, you know, I just like, it's just, you seem like you get it now. And, and obviously I know that you're, just like me, I always feel like I'm a student. Like I love learning about this stuff. And, you know, thankfully, like 
things are emerging past just nutrition and exercise and being put in the forefront of, of being important, such as gut health and, um, you know, sleep hygiene that just, you know, we can always be working on, right? Because, you know, we live in a society where um, there is always stuff to be working on, yes, but also like we can't know everything right now as like new science is coming forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I want to I want to shift gears to sleep because um, you have written a book about this about melatonin and sleep and um, you know this is actually for me a 2021 goal is to really yes there it is everyone you can get it on Amazon I will put it um, in the show notes as well so you can find it um, it's such an important topic and I actually just finished. Um, another book about sleep called Sleep Better by Sean Stevenson. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he has a podcast called The Model Health Show. And, um, you know, it, it says a lot of things that people already know, like decreasing the screen time and making sure that your um, sleep environment is kept cold and keep work out of the bed and things like that but it's just such good reminders um so I'd be curious to know like when you were writing that book in that process what were some of the things you learned and like big takeaways from that that you implement into your life and that you would want your readers to know yeah I think those are great tips um but it sort of goes back to everything about health. It's like, we can know what we should be doing, but actually doing mm. it is the problem. And actually yes. I was this morning and I haven't, I've just sort of felt like I keep waking up in the middle of the night and I wake up not feeling super restored. Me too. And so I don't know what it is. I think there's definitely a lot of anxiety and weirdness going on in the world. Um, yeah. But I, I need to sort of brush up on my sleep habits. I sort of was thinking about that today. I was like, all right, no alcohol this week. Um, you know, make sure to, to exercise every day, cut screen time. I'm pretty good about getting into bed and reading at night um, mm-hmm. rather than looking at my phone, but could definitely be doing things better. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I think so the, the book, is called melatonin. And the thing about melatonin that a lot of people don't realize is it's actually a natural hormone that our brain produces when it gets dark out. And yes, it's also a supplement that people can buy um, to help them fall asleep. It's actually not really a sleeping pill. It's really made to help you fall asleep faster, um, which is sort of a little known fact. But the thing about melatonin is that it's only produced when it's completely pitch dark in your environment. So you mentioned mm. a couple great things about like, you know, sc- screen time and, and a cold environment is super helpful. Um, comfortable bed obviously is, is helpful, but the number one most important thing is, is uh, sight or the sense of sight and making sure that your bedroom is as dark yes. as possible is super, super important. Cause that's like the only way that your brain can actually start producing melatonin. Um, yeah. And it's also found in certain foods, which is interesting. I didn't know that. Um, like cherries are a good source, almonds, um, oats. So like a gratified bar would probably be a good source of it. Um, Damn. <laughs> maybe I think I want to say coconut oil or some sort of other nuts. Um, so yeah, I think again, it's a little bit of experimentation and then doing those things that you know you should be doing. Like it's so tempting. Yeah. Like I, I woke up last night and I reached for my phone you know, and I know I shouldn't be doing that. I need to start keeping it out of the bedroom again, I guess. Um, yeah. One thing that's also 
has been helpful for me, I'm pretty sure it's, I included this in the book, is looking into sort of like relaxing music or sleep stories. Calm, the Calm app mm-hmm. has those sleep mm-hmm. stories. I don't know if you've tried them, but I'm sort of- a- I haven't. <laughs> and- Because the reason why I haven't is because my phone, and for anyone who's listening that was like, oh, I can't imagine not sleeping with my phone in my room. My phone is on a different floor in the kitchen charging. Like I just, yes, people, it can be done. So unless I got like an iPod where I could just have that or something because- um, It's sort of a, it's an ironic tip because we should be keeping the phones out of the bedroom. (laughs) But if you have yours in there, I think listening to something- is a lot better than obviously looking at your phone. Um, yes. Yeah. Airplane mode. Just download it in airplane mode. Yeah, that's true. That's a good tip. So, you know, there's a bunch of different things. I think I have like 20 different sleep rituals, bedtime, like winding down tips um, that could work for you. Um, that's amazing. So it's, again, it's, it's all about sort of experimenting and it's not going to be a quick fix, but if there is one takeaway, it's to, to keep your room as dark as possible and invest in blackout shades <laughs> for sure. Yes, because, okay, so I sleep with an eye mask every night. Okay. But um, one thing, yeah, and one thing I recently learned is that your skin has light sensors. So yeah. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter like if you're even wearing an eye mask, like if there is a light somewhere, it can affect melatonin levels too because it's like a transdermal Going out of fancy words, something like that. So yes, hands down agree with the blackout shades and just making sure it's dark as possible. I mean, I told Alex, my husband the other night, I was like, can we like straight up, like when it starts getting dark outside, like use candles instead, you know, when the power goes out and I swear, like you just use candles and you get like a really good night's sleep. Yep. And, or at least they get like your lights on a dimmer and sort of dim them Mm. for the end as you wind down, like after dinner. Yeah. And I always, and I think I've probably mentioned this on um, a different healthified conversation before, but my brother-in-law hiked the Appalachian Trail. Um, I think it was, yeah, 2019 and he did it for five, six months. So he was like straight up waking up with the sun, going to bed with the sunset. And I mean, he would have nothing else to do when it got dark. I mean, granted, it was the summer, so it got dark a little later, but he said he got just being out in the woods every single day and being in that alignment with his circadian rhythm, he was like, I've never felt better. Wow. I know. It's a natural um, circadian rhythm. And there have been experiments done where people were put in a like completely dark environment, I think. It was like a cave or something in this particular experiment. And so there's uh-huh. no sense of the sun, right? But their body's uh-huh. still on this 12 hour sleep schedule. So it's what we're ne- meant to do naturally. Um, it's just that all yeah. of our you know, electricity can has messed us up. <laughs> yes, it's so interesting. So you mentioned foods. So are, I think I remember you telling me when you were writing the book that there's gonna be like recipes and stuff in there. Is there recipes I, and stuff? Yes, I think we That's did talk awesome. about that. Yeah, I actually worked yeah. with a- recipe developer because that is not my forte but I actually love it it's like maybe my favorite part of the book is there's like all these beautiful and like sort of like oh my gosh so pretty and um like some granola bar recipes and spiced almond milk so there's a lot of cool things Mm. that um, are conducive to sleeping uh better at night um alcohol is not one of them though 
everyone. It's so tempting to put um, a glass of wine is going to help you sleep, but um, yeah, that can tend to. Well, because I mean, it supposedly for some a lot of people it helps you fall asleep faster, but then you're going to have that like restlessness wake up in the middle of the night situation. And and for me, and like I feel like I know that probably it's anxiety or cortisol or hormonal imbalances involved because I can fall asleep fine. It's just like clockwork between three and four 30. I, I wake up. And I remember I actually, the other day Googled this. I was like, why am I waking up at the same time every single morning? So it's, it'd be like four or four 30 on the dot. And then it like took me down this rabbit hole of like Chinese medicine and having it like connected with different organs. Have you heard this? Like As if I you wake up between one and three, it's liver. And if you wake liver. up between like three and five, it's lungs. And it was like trying to tell me that's associated with like grief and anger and depression. And I was like, I'm not sad. Like I'm, I'm very stressed out a lot of the times, but I'm not sad unless there's like something going on that I just can't subconsciously. I've I don't know. That. I've totally heard that and I don't buy into it personally. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So maybe I'll just, you know, think that my lungs are fine and I just need to do more stress management. I think so. Okay, good. Um, so I want to quickly talk about um, COVID and, you know, just kind of the past year and recently wrote an article about life lessons that you learned over the past year, which um, you can find through her oh. Instagram, which I'm going to have her share with you. It's a great read. Um, but what were some of the major lessons that you learned? Um, what were your silver linings and how did you navigate kind of through the dark days? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for, for mentioning that article. Um, I like to always reflect at the end of the year um, on things I learned. And this year was obviously a big one. Um, lots of lessons. Yeah. Ooh, um, I mean, I feel like my biggest lesson was sort of like this whole racial injustice thing, but that's not really health related. So I kind of don't want to even go there. Um, but I do feel like that's what stands out to me from this last year. I've just sort yeah. of been, my eyes have been opened and I, yeah. you know, followed all these people on Instagram that I'm continuing to learn from. Uh, yeah. And, you know, with like, with, with the current administration ending and, and a new one coming in, like, I feel so much optimism and hope but it's also opened our eyes to how divided the country is. And yeah. so I think like reckoning with all of that has been the biggest theme from the last year. Um, mm -hmm. But hold on, I'm actually pulling up my article. To, yeah, I, you know, I, think that's, I think that's one, but then I think the second biggest theme is like how important the little things are in life. And especially yeah. when it comes to like our health and self-care. Like I know you do yoga and, and bar. And so it's like, I just miss working out with people in like a heated room yes. and leaving yeah. and like talking to people and having that like energetic connection with other folks. Um, or even going to like a neighborhood restaurant here in, in New York and talking to somebody at the bar or sitting at the bar and like getting to know the bartender. It's like those little um, human connections that I'm really missing, um, especially like as a single person. Um, yeah, It's like, I'm never going to take that stuff for granted again. <laughs> I just want to go to yoga yeah. class. And I never thought that that would be such a, you know, such a thing to miss. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think those are like sort of the two biggest themes from last year. 
Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, it's actually did like a, um, a private yoga session with my friend Jane. I've had her on here before. She has this, um, business called the yoga shed and, and she ended up in COVID kind of like, um, renovating her outside backyard shed and made it into this like yoga shallow beautiful space anyway so she did i did a one-on-one session with her and um she was able to do hands-on adjustments in this environment and i have not and that's one thing for yoga for me is like i've tried really hard to maintain my practice at home but there's nothing like going into a studio with other human beings and having the instructor put their hands on you and make adjustments and like hearing other people's breath and like when she was doing that i was like oh like that just changes i mean i hadn't been had that type of experience in yoga in a year probably and it was just like you said it's just like i i've missed that so much yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yoga is definitely one of those, um, workouts. that's really hard to recreate at home for me. Right. I love, yeah. I've been loving like doing, um, obey fitness at home or I do Peloton yeah. runs outside, but mm-hmm. uh, yoga is, is definitely like a great in-person experience. Yes. So did you have any kind of like silver linings, um, over the past year? Um, <laughs> you didn't, that's okay. I know sometimes it can be hard to think of, you know, I do feel, I think I wrote this, this is sort of an overarching theme in that article that I wrote, but we're definitely all stronger because of this last year. Like this mm-hmm. has been a really tough time for everyone. Um, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, a whole yeah. bunch of things have happened to people. I know, uh, people have lost loved ones to COVID. Um, and you know, I think that we'll all come out of this a lot stronger and like a lot more self-aware. Um, I know yeah. I will and sort of know that we can do hard things and know how resilient yeah. and, and strong we really are. So I think that's a good silver lining for everyone. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I love that mantra. And I say it to myself off, off, often is I can do hard things. Yes, it's such a big like, thing. Yeah, and I feel like when, you know, people are kind of, following someone on Instagram and, you know, COVID aside and, you know, they're just living this quote unquote ideal life. And, but no one understands that everyone, everything that everyone's doing, there's something hard about it. And, um, and so it's just never the way that it appears. And so I just think that like, it's not about finding a path or a job or something like that, that just is always easy, but it's about just having the belief in yourself that you can do things when they get hard. So mm-hmm. love that um, phrase. Yep. Okay. So my last question of the day, um, well, it's kind of two parts and I have a personal fascination with morning routines. Okay. Oh, so I would love to hear about your morning routine, but then I'm adding on to it because I'm also would love to hear about like, what would your ideal day look like? And not like on vacation at the beach, but like a random Wednesday, mm-hmm. what would your ideal day? Um, I think, <laughs> oh, it's a tough uh, answer because I really don't have a morning routine right now. And it's something that's continually mm-hmm. like on my to-do list. Um, maybe my answer will be like, ideally what my morning routine would be, because to be totally honest, like living in New York right now, um, well, I guess I have a little bit of one. I have a semblance of a morning routine is that I always have my okay. four somatic mushroom coffee 
and I mix mm-hmm. vital proteins, collagen, which I swear has helped yes. my nails and my hair. Um, and I mix uh-huh. it with almond milk. So that's sort of like my morning little elixir. Um, Ritual. Uh-huh. Love yeah. it. Then I just, you know, move from like my bed to my desk and I start my day. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I, I sometimes do obey fitness in the morning, but I guess ideally mm-hmm. what I've done in the past is, um, is wake up. And then while I was drinking that, I would actually have it right here is this amazing book. I'm sure I think you, you bought it this one journey to the heart and oh yes 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 daily devotionals or you know sort of daily readings this really changed my life the year that I did that um Mm. I think whether it's this book or something else I think waking up like making yourself a hot drink and I truly believe in like the health benefits of four sigmatic um Mm -hmm. but this is not (laughs) bad so whatever like warm drink of your choice and drink that and like read something inspirational or uplifting um, you know, try to do a, a meditation if you're into that. I think that's like a foolproof, uh, easy way and effective way to start your day off. Yeah. On. Um, so that's what I would do in an ideal world. Um, mm-hmm. and I also love moving my body in the morning. Um, I'm just not really like a morning person these days. Um, but I do love obey fitness. So I think in an ideal situation, I would get up, do that little morning routine ritual, do a workout. Uh, I've really been loving their sculpt classes and their bar classes. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it was a nice summer day in New York, I love the West Village, which is where I live. And I'm just so ready for it to come back to life. <laughs> Go, you know, for brunch and meet some friends and maybe, you know, do a little work at a coffee shop. Um, yeah makes me so happy about New York and one thing I really miss right now for sure um and then like that I am all about balance so I love to you know meet friends for a drink um have some wine over dinner um and then watch some Netflix and call it a day (laughs) that's like probably yeah the day living and living in the city yeah yeah I could have spoken those words sounds wonderful yeah and I just being, I'm sure being in the city and not being able to kind of like have those experiences out and about is not easy, but hopefully the light is at the end of the tunnel. I'm seeing, starting to see the light at the end for sure. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Well that just, I mean, so many great nuggets in there and I cannot wait to share this conversation. Um, and before we sign off, tell people where they can find you. Um, well, you're so nice to follow along on Instagram, which is just my name, Locke Hughes. Um, I don't think it's it's that interesting, but um, I've been like more. And one thing, I'm like, that, where is she now? <laughs> yeah, I, do, I have been traveling quite a bit during COVID, so that's maybe some silver lining as well. But um, I think I mentioned earlier that I will start health coaching again this year after taking some time off of it. So I do hope to sort of share more health tips, uh, coming up soon. So follow along. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. Been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. It's just great to catch up with you. And, um, I know we'll be in touch, so have a good rest of your day and yeah, I'll let you know when this comes out and yeah, just great talking to you. Yeah. So great to talk to you too, Sarah. Okay. Have a good, have a good one. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified. Until next time.